You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hotbox, episode 55 of this glorious and illustrious podcast. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you as always for joining me. We got a big episode here today. We got Eagles playoffs coming up this weekend. We now have an opponent locked in. Our focus can be directed in one area, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Eagles will head down to Tampa and try to slay the giant, slay the dragon, and I'm, I'm all in. I'm 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 fired up. I'm, I'm my fan hat is on. We are ready to go. But I will put on my analyst hat for a little bit on here, and we will talk about that game and how we feel going into it. Carson Wentz fell apart a little bit, you know, a little bit. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Sixers and their win streak that continues to keep going. Joel Embiid's thirty point game streak that keeps continuing to roll on. Uh, we have the Flyers continue to embarrass. Uh, baseball is still in the lockout, and the national championship was last night, and we will discuss everything that went down last night, or just any any pertinent information I like to talk about. It was a uh, you know slow game in the first, but we'll you know in the first half, but we'll talk about it. We'll start with our birds, our Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, got the doors blown off them on on Saturday night in a game that we talked about wasn't didn't really mean much, didn't really uh, have any bearing on what we were going to do for the postseason or, you know, I mean, maybe it could have affected seeding or whatnot, but honestly, we were going to have to go on the road and play a great team either way. So we were able to get a lot of our guys some rest. Uh, Devontae Smith was able to break the record for uh, rookie receiving yards, uh, which was the Sean Jackson thing. He played a little bit longer than a lot of the other guys. No Jalen Hurts at all. He didn't play. So, I mean, 51-26, to 26, though. The Cowboys played all their starters throughout the whole game. And they, uh, I mean, our our defense couldn't stop them early in the season when we had our ones in. We definitely weren't going to stop them when we had threes and fours and, you know, just guys signed off the streets, uh, essentially. So that game went about as typical or, uh, you know, as predictable as it possibly could. It is concerning that we're just not able to stop the Cowboys at all. They just have their way with us every single time we play. I mean... What Dak Prescott five touchdowns, two, 21 for twenty seven, two ninety five, five touchdowns. He he was barely affected. I think we had maybe a couple different, you know, stops or maybe forced them to punt a couple times. But they they actually only punted one time in the entire game, and the other drive was the kneel down after they had scored fifty one on us. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, obviously not good. Doesn't matter, I guess. You know, I guess you can make that argument, uh, and I'm not going to argue that it does matter. So. Uh, but it, it, it's all, all of our focuses are on this week right now. So it, it's all on Tampa Bay. The Cowboys acted last week like they had, uh, you know, just beat the uh, the '86 Bears. They were they were celebrating, high fiving, and whatnot. I guess I would do the same thing if I was a player. I don't care who I'm playing if I just put up 51 on you. But you know, it's obviously it just doesn't feel good when you lose like that to the Cowboys. It, what no matter if we had you know local CYO flag football guys in there playing playing secondary it just doesn't feel good when you get the doors blown off you by anybody especially your rival 
but you know, I I respect and love that Sirianni. It doesn't really matter. You know, like we're worried about the playoffs. We're worried about putting ourselves in the best opportunity to win games here in January. And and we're here. You know, we we had a matchup with with Tampa Bay. Uh, we were seven point underdogs, seven and a half. Uh, the last time I checked, uh, we'll give a live update right now as to what what the Vegas lines are. You know, I, I I'm a uh, loyal FanDuel uh, user right now until somebody comes through and gives me a sponsorship or you know convinces me to go in another direction because I can easily be bought. But damn, I, okay, so. FanDuel has the Eagles at eight and a half point underdogs plus three ten on the money line. Uh, I like eight and a half. I I I could see this game going somewhat similarly to the last Eagles game against the Buccaneers, where you know the the Bucks were in. They handled the game. They they had the game in lock pretty much the whole way through, but the Eagles were able to keep it close and score a touchdown at the end to cover. You know, so if you're just strictly gambling on this game, I do I do like plus eight and a half. Uh, I know pe- people will point to the fact that the Eagles haven't really played anyone and you know whatnot, but I I just think our run game, if we're able to run the ball even a little bit, and I think it's you know I I see people saying best rush defense for Tampa and Vita Vea is gonna clog the middle and we're gonna have to figure out another way to do it. You you're probably right maybe, but. Jalen Hurts is also a part of that run game, and it's our run game is not just running up the middle and you know three yards in a cloud of dust every time. We we it's a very they kind of mix it up. They run off tackle, you know. They run stretch plays, toss plays. They you know read options where Jalen Hurts is uh, you know running to the outside. It's not all right up the middle. So I I, I just think the you know it, they are going to have to get creative. Jalen Hurts is going to have to not make any mistakes and continue to just keep the Eagles in the game the way he has. But this team can't start slow. They they absolutely cannot start slow in this Tampa game, or they will, they will get the doors blown off them. And I think the uh, the biggest concern, probably we're sitting here right now on, the, on a Tuesday afternoon here in beautiful, cold, sunny New Jersey, is I, I just worry about the our defense being able to stop not not only stop Tom Brady, but just keep them from moving the ball up and down the field the same way the the Cowboys did, or or pretty much any serviceable good quarterback has done against us all season long. You know, we, we like to take away the big plays, but that leaves us susceptible and open to all that underneath stuff and everything to, you know, I mean, it used to be God, Godwin would have a field day against us if he was playing, you know, even AB, AB would would, would probably have have a great game. So it's we have a much better chance now. I I feel that you know all that that guy that guy's hurt and the other guy has you know we all know what the deal is with AB. So so I feel I feel good going into this game. I don't I wouldn't say I feel confident or I'm going to start banging my chest because we are we are definitely the underdogs here and uh, rightfully so because we are up against a team that has earned all the respect and. Uh, deserves all the praise that they get because the super, you know, the reigning Super Bowl champions, blah 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 blah. But I, I you know, I, I think Leonard Fournette's going to play. I think a lot of their guys are going to be back for this game. So, other than obviously, you know, the two guys I just named, Godwin and AB. So, 
I think that they are uh, vulnerable. I think the Buccaneers are vulnerable. I, I don't know if we are the team to capitalize on that, but I don't. I do not think that this team is anywhere near as strong or um, indestructible as last year's team was. The defense is still, you know, good. I would say not great. The run defense is great, but you know their their secondary. I think we could if if Jalen Hurts gets going, you know, it gets the run game going. It could open up a lot of, you know, different things, maybe a little over the top and whatnot. But we were we were able to run the ball against them the first time. Not you know we didn't obviously pound the rock, but uh, Miles Sanders was able to find a you know a little bit of success there. you know, one or two drives towards the end of the game when Sirianni finally clicked in his brain, maybe we should run the ball. Yeah, I've talked about that game at nauseum because I was I was at it. It was like all fresh in, in my brain. Him kicking the field goal that, you know, didn't really mean anything. Uh, you know, you're down. I think it was, if I'm, this is off the top of my head, but like 14 or 15, he's down and he just line, get, brings the field goal team out to kick a field goal in like the fourth quarter and they miss it, obviously. Because that's just always how something like that goes, and boo, 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 uh, rightfully so. Because it, it's just it makes no sense. It gets you no closer to your your ultimate goal. Or I think it was a fourteen point game. He went to kick a field goal to make an eleven point game. So it's technically still two possessions. You could kick the field goal instead of having to score two touchdowns. That's that's you know whatever. That's great in theory, but I'm I'm trying to score. I'm trying to score these touchdowns. You know, uh, maybe that's why I'm sitting here not an NFL coach, but I just did. I didn't like that then. I still don't like it now. But we are moving forward. We are worried about the the here and now. So Eagles are going to play on Sunday. I heard the the weather is going to be in the 60s, 70 percent chance of rain as of now. This is you know Tuesday, so we got a lot of time before here and now that can change. But that that I would say favors us. They're, they're going to rely more on the throw heavy attack. Um, you know, I think if Leonard's playing, that they will you know run the ball more. But I don't think they like running the ball with Rojo, Ronald Jones the third or second, whichever, as opposed to pounding the rock with Lenny. It's just not the same. That's why they even got Lenny. So I guess we have to keep an eye on to see if Lenny Len, Leonard Fournette's going to play this weekend. All indications are that he's going to play. But how, you know, what version of him is going to show up? How, what percentage is that guy at? You know, he did just have a hamstring injury a couple weeks ago. So we all know that those can be tricky. We'll, we'll see. So I think the Eagles have their absolute best opportunity to pull an upset here in this, uh, in this first round game. It's just, it's kind of set up for them or set up for somebody to come out and take the bucks out. But I, I just, I worry. I don't know if we are the team to do it. That, that's the concerning thing, and I, I like I said, I like eight and a half. But if I was, if you wanted an official prediction, I think the Buccaneers win a close game inside inside of a touchdown. Uh, you know, but it's not necessarily as close. Like I said, it's kind of I, I do feel it could play out very similar to similarly to that first that first week where our secondary is going to need to play well, and our our defensive line is going to need to get pressure right up the middle and just get after Brady and make him move. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, if he's able to stand on his spot and just you know, just dissect our secondary and just destroy us from within. You know, obviously we have no chance then. And we'll see, you know, Gronk has started to come on towards the end. He really had a, has not really bounced back as well as uh, we they probably would have liked coming off the, the rib and the 
the punctured lung, and then he had the back spasms that sat him out for the one game against uh, New Orleans, or he played the five snaps and then sat out. So, you know, he's healthy, but how healthy is he? You know, like that. These are the questions that I'm going around, and you look at all these different guys that you know Shaq Barrett's going to play, but you know, it, they're not as. Uh, as like I said, as invincible and indestructible as they may have been in the past, uh, but can we capitalize? Can can we take care of business? Can we do what needs to be done? Uh, I you know we're gonna need to be able to run the ball. That's the only way we have success. I hope we don't try and get away from that or try to beat them another way. I think we have to do with what you know. We have to do what got us here. We have to try at least try and, and pound it down and just break their will. And let our offensive line go to work. The you know what we've been screaming for all season long. I just hope they don't you know get get away from it or get flustered and oh it's not going to work against a team like this. We have to throw. We have to throw. We have to throw. And yeah, I don't know. If we're not we're not built for that. So you know we we uh, we, we we need to run the ball. We need to uh, establish our dominance. Uh, you know, impose our will on on the Buccaneers per se and that's a tall task. That's a lot easier said than done. So official prediction is the Bucks win. Uh, if you know that, if that makes me a non Eagles fan, then so be it. But I can only tell you guys what I truly believe is going to happen, but I, I'll be rooting for the birds. I, I do think it, like I'm telling you, it's 100% set up for us to pull the upset that I've just laid out all this, all these reasons why the Buccaneers are not nearly the, you know, unstoppable force like they were last year or it felt like they were last year and all the different players that are banged up and they I mean look at what they've had to deal with the last couple weeks you know it's just it's a lot going on but if any any team or any player is going to persevere or or overcome that it's Tom Brady you know we're playing against the greatest quarterback to ever live so uh, you're up against it and this is you know we we that that Super Bowl team was able to take him down because that's one of the best. That is the best Eagles team in history. You know, like it, it was, we were able to put up 41 points on their defense. He still threw for 500 yards against us. I, I just worry that our defense is just going to get exposed because they, they, they're everyone's been. You know, the talk is that we our defense has uh, can't you know started to come on here towards the end of the year and has uh, you know. Kind of righted the wrong, I guess, from the early season mishaps, but you could attribute that to the fact that we haven't played anyone. You know, that's that that's that's part that's probably part of the reason why our defense looks as good when you're playing Jake Fromm and Garrett Gilbert. Tom Brady's a whole different animal. It's a whole different animal. So, go rooting for the birds this weekend. I really do hope that it's uh, you know. That we're able to take care of business. The rain, I think, would help us. But you know, Brady—Brady's just—he—he's a tough out, dude. He, no matter what, he's seen it all. He's done it all. He's come back. He's thrown to this guy and that guy. Cyril Grayson now, you know, is like a a huge target for him. So it's—it doesn't really matter. He's thrown to just guys before. So it, yeah, it wouldn't stop. I wouldn't be surprised if the, they either, I wouldn't be surprised if they boat raced us either. They just t- took care of business and just beat us by 20 in a game that was never really close, you know? So the Eagles, uh, definitely have their work cut out for them. Uh, I guess is the best way to say it. So go birds Sunday, one o'clock Tampa Eagles be there, be square. 
uh, get the underdog mask out. I know everyone's waiting for that, so I uh, I hope it's I hope it's that kind of, that kind of party on Sunday. A little bit of other and uh, you know NFL news, uh, you know that's that hits home. It definitely hits home. Carson Wentz and uh, the Indianapolis Colts missed the playoffs this year. The Eagles are going to have the 15th and 16th picks and uh, match that with whatever ends up, the, you know, however the Eagles season ends up playing out. Uh, we will find out what, where our pick was going to end up. But the other two are set is the 15th and 16th picks in this year's draft. Uh, thank you to Carson Wentz. We're playing over 75% of the snaps this year and then proceeding to completely melt down in the biggest game of the season for the Colts. And he, he was not the only one that melted down. The entire Colts team melted down, along with Frank Reich. And no, just their offensive line got absolutely abused. That that Jaguars defensive line is good. It has a lot of talent. I mean, Josh Allen is, uh you know, seems like a, a budding superstar, if you ask me. But that just seems like every time they show that guy on, on red, you know, because you can't watch all these games. I'm watching these games through red zone for the most part. And that every time you sh- they show that guy, he's, you know, he's either sacking Josh Allen or, you know, or intercepting Josh. They were making a big deal out of that that day. Or he, he's, you know, causing havoc for Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz was sacked seven times. You know, I, I know we, we, we here have talked about how he's held onto the ball. And, you know, he had a fumble and he threw a pick, a horrible pick. But, you know, it was not all his fault. But he definitely didn't do anything to... Uh, carry his team out of that hole or be you know, any of the heroics that you may, you know, trade for or hope when you're paying a quarterback $30 million a year. He is a uh, strictly, like, essentially a game manager. And I know that's like a insult. It definitely is not a compliment, but it's just, that's just what he is at this point. He can't, he's not really uh, the kind of guy that you can put a game on his shoulders and say, thank you, please go win this game for us. He's not that that the Brady the you name some of the best quarterbacks you know Josh Allen just pops into my mind immediately uh, even like a Justin Herbert like the young I'm I'm th- I'm thinking of the old guard of the Aaron Rodgers and Brady I'm not trying to I'm trying to like the younger guys in the league that are you know even just came up in the draft that that are have been in the league way less years than Carson Wentz who have that in them who are able to drive their teams on the field and we've seen Carson do it in the past but it's not. A thing, you're not. It's not a fear. It's not a consistent thing. You're not. I, I don't know. It's just you, you. just don't. You don't believe in him. I don't know how you can be an Indianapolis fan or even an Eagles fan or an NFL football fan and just watch the watch him play the game, watch the Colts play the game, and you believe in his ability to be uh, be your quarterback. He's a, he's as average as it gets. Not you know you know I I don't I don't, actually don't even really want to go down this road too much you know I don't want to start trashing him I've talked about him uh, for hours probably on this podcast at this point so he you know uh, sorry for the Indianapolis fans that, and sorry to ever, you know that you feel like you got duped or you got hoodwinked because you kind of did it was a great trade by Howie that he was able to pull that off and get a first round pick get a third round pick for him uh, and now the Eagles are set up very well for the future. You know, looking into next year, yeah, you know, no matter what happens this weekend, the Eagles are still in good shape, and, and that's a lot to do with the fact that they they were able to get something for Carson Wentz while paying him thirty million dollars of dead cap money this year, which is a 
feat and a miracle in itself that you're able to overcome something like that in, in a cap league where you're only allowed to pay a certain amount of money, you know? So Colts uh, journalists and fans are writing articles, you know, how do we get out from under this money? Is it possible? Can we trade them? So it, I don't miss those days at all. I'm glad that we have a situation where we feel a little bit more uh, confidence in our guy and, and what's going on here. And Jalen's making a, a, a fraction of what Carson Wentz is making and, and playing better than him, in my personal opinion. So we we definitely won out in this situation. Uh, that is a situation that Car- or Howie Roseman deserves a little bit of credit for, but he also is the reason that we have to pay a dead cap hit. And, uh, that you know, like, you know what I mean? Saw a couple of tweets when when it, uh, people oh how he had apology and how he deserves this and that and I, I I made a comment saying like how how can you really get credit or deserve credit for salt like for for navigating a disaster and a mess that you created you're the reason that this quarterback situation happened you're the one who paid Carson early when you really didn't have to you know smart at the time you know but I'm saying like. For right or wrong, the decisions you made, you made them, and they didn't work out. And then you had to fix it. So you do deserve you, you deserve credit for fixing it, but you also have to realize that you are a big part of the reason why that that situation existed and happened. So uh, that's that's that. Uh, um, you know, good luck to the Colts fans and Carson Wentz and uh, everyone out there. The, the Frank Reich won't commit to him next year, and it's already getting into that situation and, and you know you, 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 how can you blame them you know if you're Carson Wentz at a certain point you got to look in the mirror he he won't be accountable he refuses to ever accept responsibility or blame for any of the things that happened or being benched or anything was never like never his fault we should just get him and Ben Simmons in the same city again let them hang out because they seem to have a really similar mindset and mentality of just nothing can possibly be my fault I'm the man so and anyone who doubts me or or feels negative thoughts about my play is a hater, and I need to get out of the city immediately. So uh, Carson Wentz deserves everything that comes his way, and so does Frank Reich and the Colts for for you know buying into that and and believing they could fix this guy when you you know actually you know what? thank you I won't even I won't even kill the Colts and all that. Thank you for believing in him and trading that first round pick to us and helping us advance our franchise while you guys created an even bigger problem for what you have going on now. One of the ultimate collapses in uh, not not even just the ultimate collapse like overall season. I'm talking about losing that one game against a two win team in a must win situation. You go down there and you can't you can't get it done. That's just a uh, that's a huge meltdown, man. That's that's just a sad, sad uh, collapse. And they're going to have to think about that all offseason. And there's going to be big changes in Indianapolis probably. And number 11, uh, the audience of one, he, he might be looking for a new place to play or, or be in a competition somewhere else where, you know, he's not necessarily uh, – uh, it just it just turned it's turned very quickly. I I I hate um not that I hate it, but I just don't like uh you know piling on him and just you know he it, it's it is not going well for Carson. He deserves it at some in some aspects, but I just you got to feel for the guy because it, it has it has gone left completely for him, and, and it just doesn't seem like he's able to figure it out or he hasn't figured it out. Obviously, did want to talk about the Sixers who. Uh, 
you know, since since we've last talked, have 100% taken care of business. The win streak continues to ride on. We, uh, you know, we had that. I don't know if I think I did the podcast the day after the Magic game where they were able to take care of business and uh, Tobias Harris kind of came out of his slump a little bit. He had a big game against the Spurs as well. Uh, three guys in uh, tw- uh, above 20 points, four guys in double figures. Thibel, you know, five five of five. Curry, 23 points, seven boards, seven assists. That's a, that's a crazy game for him. And, and Harris, 23, seven and five, nine of 12 from the field. Didn't shoot any threes. That's fine. We will deal with that. And B, 31, 12 and seven. He's one of the best players on planet Earth right now. And he... Uh, you know, is absolutely should be in consideration for the MVP. I don't see why not, but that's such a popularity sort of contest. And uh, that's just a, it's not something you want to sit here and argue back and forth about the merits of there's so many good players and you, people are just going to vote for who they like the most and whoever's on national TV the most. And it's just such a uh, watered down, um, not valid. I don't want to say it's not valid, but it's just, it just feels like a lot of the uh, the voting seems uh, insincere or disingenuous. Uh, you know, when you have people like Ramona Shelburne and Michael Wilbon and names of that nature, you know, weighing in. And they, I think they do have votes. So it's like, you know, how many Sixers games are they sitting there watching? Have they seen the Sixers Rockets? You know, I, I, got, I guess that's the thing that bothers me because I know they're watching the Warriors. I know they're watching the Lakers. You know, the Bucks games and stuff like, you know, just because Giannis and all these, are they really taking time to, you know, see what Embiid's doing and, and seeing the growth in his game and how much of a better facilitator and just overall leader and, and player he's become in these last couple of years. And especially this year, last year, and now this year, he's even gotten better this year than he was last year, which is incredible. I mean... Last night, twenty he plays twenty six minutes in, against the Rockets in a blowout. They they were handling that thing from beginning to end. He has thirty one eight and six in those twenty five minutes or twenty six minutes. I'm sorry, thirty one eight and six, nine to sixteen shooting, thirteen of thirteen from the free throw line. What big man do you know is is just knocking all of his free throws down, shooting a clip like that at the free throw line? Let me see. We'll be we'll be at we're eighty one percent. I mean that that's you know. For a big man, that's crazy. Uh, he probably would even like to to shoot better than that for this season. Tobias Harris, you know, six of seventeen, ain't exactly a great game, but they didn't need it. They did not need a great game from the Sixers necessarily, and the the win streak rolls on. The win streak rolls on. They have the Hornets next, then the Celtics on Friday, Heat on Saturday, and a little back to back. They have to travel to Miami, so I'm sure there'll be a rest uh, over playing situation for some of the the ordeal there. The game on Saturday is, you know, that's a little bit bigger than the Celtic game. Usually you would argue that the Celtic game is better, but Celtics are not in the playoffs right now, and the Heat are a team that you may have to see in the playoffs or match up against third in the East right now. So it's crazy to see how the Celtics have fallen, and uh, I just love to point that out every time we're on here because I don't like them. Simmons trade talks uh, continue to rage on, and um, now it's the Hawks are emerging as a possible suitor for for Ben Simmons, and uh, I'm hearing you know 
offers of uh, John, like John Collins and Cam Reddish are going to be the big players that are going to be, you know, floated or, or possible coming back. Mark Stein is the, and uh, I believe Sh- uh, Shams has, are the two people who have reported this or have floated this, that the Hawks are, you know, emerging. Uh, they love using that word and that doesn't really mean anything. That just means like, Oh, we may want Ben Simmons and, and if you're the Sixers, I just pray that they don't want him, want any of their players back. You know, you're not trading as Trey Young. Uh, I would take, I would obviously take Trey Young, but I, I don't want John Collins. I don't think that that does. Mu- I mean, John Collins is basically just a, a a lesser version of Ben Simmons in my mind. I mean, he does more of the dirty work, but we have a center, and he plays a little defense, and he can shoot a little. I, I these are guys are good. Like, I find myself shitting on some of these guys. When it's not, that's not what I'm like. I don't want to do that. I just don't want them on my, on my team for Ben Simmons. I, I, th- I feel like we could do better. You know, like I, I know that that's maybe the, the, the mindset that has gotten us in trouble here. Cause we keep overvaluing, uh, overvaluing him or whatnot. But once you trade him, it's over. You, you don't, you can't get anything else that, that what you got is what you got. And if what we get is Ben or what we get is John Collins, and Cam Reddish, I just, what is that team going to, Cam Reddish is going to get paid in the offseason too, like $90 million or, or something, like he's going to get some money money, so unless you believe in his abilities to be, you know, one of your guys going forward, you know, you got you really have to, you have to take a careful look at that deal, I would not do it, 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 but I real and I really hope they, they don't do it, uh, Another report is that Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris are being linked together now in these trade talks. That Daryl Morey is trying to, you know, maybe package both of them and get them out of here. I don't know the cap situation or how we, I guess you would have to bring in a couple teams, three or maybe even a fourth team, to move two guys that are going to take up like 75 to $80 million of your cap. But, I mean, I mean that would obviously probably be ideal or... or what we would prefer, uh, you know, Tobias has well underperformed his contract and not exactly had a great beginning to this season. So I, if you could swing swing a deal and maybe get some 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 additional players in return, I mean, it's a big uh, overhaul of your team. You know, Tobias Harris, as much as you guys don't like him or I don't like him or how much we what we think about it, what he's produced or whatnot, he has been a uh, pillar of this team he's a important cog of this he you know scores a little bit he plays a little like he does a lot of things he's there every single night and you can count on him so you know you can't always count on them to make shots and whatnot but you can count on them to be there and play hard so if you can th- if you think that that's easily replaceable or you think that we can get something for him that you know is <laughs> that can change this up or, or give us, you know, give us what we need to make a playoff run or whatnot, then I'm all in. You know, I just I, I just find it uh, tough to wrap my head around or believe it, the, the, the that, you know, that us trading that much. You know, like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of uh, players that would have to change hands and a lot of moving parts. I would just like to see uh, who, you know, who we're going to get. Saw a uh, trade machine today, you know, I don't know how believable this, you know, it's not believable, it's just a, a, I guess, a hypothetical, per se, in one of these deals where we get Harrison Barnes, Brandon Ingram, and Tyrese Halliburton in a first-round pick, we're trading 
Tobias. So let me slow down a little bit. I know it's a lot. We're getting Barnes, Ingram, Halliburton, and a first. Okay, that's uh, that. That's that sounds quite fair. We're trading to the Kings, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Shake Milton, and the Pelicans are getting De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley. So I, I imagine the Kings would say no. Just because why why would you want to become the Sixers light? You know, you're trading all of your pieces, every single valuable person on your team. But, you know, like I guess that's how one of those trades would uh would look or uh go down, you know. So who knows? Uh, I mean that 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 is gonna look like an insane, nuts, grotesque trade if the, both of those guys are being moved on the in the same move or in the same day, you know, so uh, we will that 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 doesn't seem like the sim the Simmons thing is uh, not as close to being done as we would we would like or hope. So I I, I will continue to cover it. Uh, we'll, or I'll continue to cover it on here and talk about it. But I yeah that that deal specifically would do in a second. But like we said, uh, we don't know if the Kings would do that or even the Pelicans be interested in moving a Brandon Ingram or whatnot. So we'll wait and see. Continue to wait and see. Continue to watch this team. Continue to watch Joel Embiid uh, flourish and and grow as a player. Flyers quickly did want to talk about how they lost on Saturday night in uh, you know in typical Flyer fashion. Uh, ran out of gas, up two nothing, and uh, completely collapsed, losing overtime. You know, of course, in Flyers fashion, they get the point. Need the point, we get the point. You know, so losing overtime. The Flyers, though, I mean. Now they have Bobby Clark coming out and, and dumping on Hextall, saying no one wanted Nolan Patrick. Uh, they have their own, you know, there's a lot of infighting. I think it's only going to get uglier for the Flyers, who are on a five-game losing streak again. They're followed by their 10 or multi, you know double-digit losing streak or non-winning streak that occurred earlier in the season. Their game got canceled tonight due to COVID issues that they're dealing with, so... The fly the Flyers are a absolute uh, dumpster fire and uh, have just become a complete and utter embarrassment to the city and just to everyone involved in with the Flyers. Anyone who's a fan of them or has any respect for the organization that that has just completely gone by the wayside. And they uh, they are just no nowhere near that storied franchise that they once were when you know when we were kids when our parents were kids when just this team had heart and integrity and had an identity for the longest time and you know for right or for wrong the the bullies and the toughness and all that at least that was an identity and something that we could you know, latch on to and respect and everything. And, you know, and they were good, you know, like they had years, they were good. They went to the, that miracle year, they went to the cup, but they still gave us years. They'll lose into the uh, lightning and and the Eastern conference. Like they've had good years, but it, it, since 2010, it's, it's been awful, awful. I think what they've won one playoff series in 10 years, 11 years. It's just an absolute embarrassment. I'm not going to waste any more time on them, but I just need to point that things like that out. That it's just like now we now we have our, you know, our arguably the greatest player to play for us is now just calling out former GMs and the things of that nature. Who's in Pittsburgh now? Uh, he, I think you know. I heard some people saying that we we should we shouldn't have fired Hackstall or Hextall. I, I sorry, you know, can't can't God forbid get that wrong. Can't. 
you know, fire Hextall as early as we did. He was making the right moves. He was building this team the right way. I, I heard a couple guys on the radio when I was listening to Broads, the one they shot the Broads. But let the dumpster fire burn. Let's keep it moving. The fly, or Not the Flyers. Uh, that's dead. Georgia wins the national championship last night against the Alabama Crimson Tide in a game that was a absolute defensive battle for two and a half quarters, almost three. And uh, Georgia's, Georgia's, you know, the couple, it was just a, a crazy game from beginning to end. Field goals back and forth all throughout the first half. Uh, Stetson Bennett with that fumble. That was like a throw that he like slipped out of his hands. And the guy, the guy uh, for Alabama, you know, gets it on the sideline with his foot. That has less than an even a uh, centimeter of space between that and the sideline. They go down, pound it in, touchdown. Georgia comes right back down the field, scores another touchdown, pick six, seals it. Uh, just a, a, an a awesome night for college football and just the the Georgia Bulldogs who haven't won since then, you know the nineteen eighties, uh, you know late seventies, early early eighties. So uh, and so many years of getting uh, beat down and beat up by Alabama and and the Crimson Tide and just. You know, being the little brother, essentially. You know, Kirby coached there. He went he went to Georgia, you know, and then he got finally gets the job at Georgia and they go to the national championship and come up short. You know, Tua comes in and leads that comeback and that heart, absolutely heartbreaking loss and they just year after year come up short against the, the Alabama and not nothing to show for it, you know. Finally they have something to show for it. They were able to climb that mountain they stayed hungry. They stayed focused. Uh, they got beat up in that SEC championship game. You know, absolutely dominated. People said, well, why would it be any different? Why would, you know, this game go any differently than the first one did? And that's because, you know, <laughs> Georgia had never, you know, hadn't been embarrassed like that all season long. And then that after they lost that game, they, they just, they were waiting for a month, just practicing, stewing on that, thinking about how they were embarrassed. And they were able to, you know, get that opportunity to get that rematch. I mean, they beat beat the doors off Michigan, and you just knew. Uh, at least I did, sitting there thinking, "Wow, like they're angry, man. They're angry." And at the very least, Georgia is going to give a hell of a game to Alabama. And you know, Alabama losing Mechie was a huge loss, and then they lose Jamison Williams early in the game, and that completely changed the game. Make no mistake about it. That that's a that's a totally different game if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, you know, a couple guys did make catches down the sidelines that maybe he would have made. Uh, you know, Bryce Young didn't play a great game, but I thought he played well enough to, you know, give the team an op- give some opportunities. I mean, he he uh, I I don't remember the the gentleman's name, Cameron Hall or one of the well, eighty four for Alabama. He dropped dropped one that was right in his lap down the side, like right, he kind of ran like a uh, corner route. And it just hit him right in the lap, and nothing. Uh, it, you know, it just didn't. It just didn't seem like Alabama's night. And it definitely wasn't. And uh, shout out to Georgia Stetson Bennett, well, first walk on, playing national championship, winning national championship. Uh, you know, all the people that doubted him and didn't believe in him, and he, you know, perseveres through all that. Absolutely hammered on his uh, Good Morning America interview today. Uh, you know. Shouts out to the Georgia Bulldogs. They definitely deserve it. It's good for parity in college football. You know, I know it's all SEC, but as someone else has to be. Alabama can't win every year. You know, we we need we need people to beat them up, make them human, and, and so that when they come back next year, which they, of course they probably will, 
and they win, it, it, you don't feel as bad. You know, it, it just it, it, I just needed to see other teams in the mix and taking down the 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 dynasty, the 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 just the Patriots that that Death Star, Star Wars, Imperial Empire sort of just dominating force that continues to just roll through college football. It's good to see another team come in and punch them in the mouth and just you know let them know that we're we're not going to settle for this. We're not going to, you know, t- take this beating. We're not going to lay down for you just because you're the Alabama Crimson Tide and plenty of opportunities in that game last night for them to lay down and just all right, this isn't our night, you know. We could they were running the ball down their throats and you know they just every time they they, they needed to play that kind of guy. I mean, the the blocked field goal the you know even the pick six the defense I mean they had that kind of throw fumble early in the game like they were just they they let them know very early on that this was not going to be like that first game and it wasn't it was a great game uh, not necessarily the most exciting um on you know uh, on paper I I don't know if on paper is the right word but just the, your prototypical touchdown touchdown you know f- score high scoring you know exciting sort of game it was uh, it was a fun game to watch. I enjoyed it. Good for the dogs. College football continues to uh, the, the stock continues to rise, and next year will even be a better year. My Irish will open up the season in Columbus against Ohio State, and you know, and we will continue to talk about college football in here. You know, I'll have some some of my college football guys on. You know, Nick Egan, huge year for the for the newsletter, huge year. I mean, that, if you guys. The, the newsletter we read on this podcast absolutely smoked. I, I, he absolutely killed that thing. He won game after after pick after pick. I mean, Utah threw out everything you could possibly bet on the Utah that that, that guy pot, that guy won. He bet Georgia national championship. I mean, go go back and read it. It was an incredible uh, display of knowledge and just goatsmanship by Nick Egan. Uh, you got to give that man his credit. He he is an absolute college football genius and and he deserves all the credit in the world. So that is where I will wrap it up though, ladies and gentlemen. Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is episode 55. Uh, I can't believe we're already at 55. I, I I hope that I keep knocking these things out and we can get to 100 by the end of this year. That's my goal. I'm going to I'm you know, it was a 52 weeks in in a year. I'm at least going to get to 100. In in the for the hot take hot box by the end of the year, the MMA show will continue to ride on. We'll continue to crush episodes and do what we do on there. So, ladies and gentlemen, hot take hot box, Matt McSweeney. Thank you as always.